0: Welcome to episode 117 of Legally Clueless. Thanks for being part of the tribe. If this is your first ever episode, remember you can join our online fam on Instagram. That's at Legally Clueless Podcast. If you want to chit chat about the podcast on Twitter, use the hashtag Legally Clueless. It makes it easier for me to stalk you. (laughs) No, but seriously, we have new audio episodes out every single Monday. And we also have our new baby that is the video series. So if you head over to the Legally Clueless YouTube channel, you can find video episodes. In fact, the most recent episode features a very powerful story by Thiru. Listen to this.
1: And then I finally get a call back. We're about to start shooting something for a different project that had been in the works for like two years. And then we're locked down again. I was just like, "Bruh, I'm tired. So I've sort of done this thing where I'm at a point where like, if it's hard... F it. I'm not going to stress about it. And the moment I'd said that, I got a job offer to work at a radio radio station, or actually it's a media house i love my job fully i've got you know great people at work and so during that whole time i was still being positive but please remember i'm still i still haven't been paid for like months i'm still dealing now with catching up on the payments my daughter's trying to go back
0: school trust me that's definitely a story you want to check out that is on our video series on the legally clueless youtube channel if you check out the show notes there is a link to that channel there back to this episode oh my goodness I'm really excited about the story that you're going to hear because it's so action-packed i remember when i was recording it and the first time the storyteller told it to me i was just like what is this movie that is your life and it's a story by oliver that's going to be coming up later in this episode listen to this
1: so there's this dj who i met and she really liked my work and asked me if i could be a photographer we used to shoot every weekend i we used to go to be in a club and this day we left the club at four she dropped me at sherry sambu and then there are three guys who were on a bike they came and passed me and then they lighted and they pretended they were drunk I was just like, you know what this is uh this is a su- sunday morning these are drunkards from the club you know trying to find their way home could be they weren't drunk i think that was their their tactic to make me not shook them so i walked the and then the next thing i realized that this guy pulling a gun on my face really?
0: as i said it's a really action-packed story (laughs) that feels like a movie but anyway it's going to be coming up a little later in this episode i hope you're doing fantastic though i hope that you're hanging in there you know i was telling a very close friend of mine who was asking or rather just remarking that she wasn't feeling into it she was feeling a bit lethargic her mind was unsettled she was not motivated etc etc and what was driving her up the wall was that she couldn't figure out why and I kind of had to remind her that okay fine it could be a number of things but also don't forget that we have been in this pandemic for over a year so consistently having our entire lives changed consistently dealing with fear grief loss of human life and also loss of our livelihoods or you know just having fears around that as well Consistently for over a year and still going. So I'll share what I told her, which is just be gracious with yourself. Just treat yourself with some grace, like we're actually going through it. So don't come down hard on yourself if you're not as productive as you were before the pandemic, if you're having all of these thoughts in your mind. Honestly, just because we've gotten pandemic fatigue doesn't change. that. This thing has actually traumatized us and continues to for over a year. But that said, I still hope that you're good. And if you're not, you're acknowledging that and doing what you need to do to be good. What I have actually gotten so addicted to... (laughs) This is so strange. So one podcast that I really listen to is Case Files because I love crime shows and so like crime podcasts are my thing. So in one of the episodes, they told the story of the Jonestown Massacre, which, by the way, I had no idea about. So you can imagine my shock and trauma finding out about this cult that ultimately ended in a mass suicide of over 900 people. What? What? <laughs> So basically what I have dug into is just documentaries on cults because it's just, I'm just trying to understand how that level of manipulation happens. So there's a documentary about it that I just watched. There's a documentary on another cult, which is a more recent one. Nekseem? It's it's spelled funny. It was dubbed the sex cult and it had a lot of celebrities in it. Oh my goodness. That one you might have heard of because it was relatively recent. But yeah, that's what I'm currently obsessed with. Just watching cult documentaries. But other than that, I'm hanging in there. I wouldn't say I'm good i'm hanging in there i'm just there (laughs) that is so kenyan but yeah i'm just there let's jump into the song of the week which this week i feel like i've made this song the song of the week before but i have been jamming it for the past week so here it is again and it's a dope song so nobody's complaining and it's a song by Tetushani, who's an artist from right here in kenya he's absolutely amazing in fact he's one of my favorite live performing artist like his live gigs when outside is open again and you see his name on a poster perform go because he is amazing so the song is africa sun i really love it ah so in the show notes there is a link to that song make sure you check it out all right let's jump into our action-packed story and it is by oliver the photographer and he talks about the day that he was robbed of his photography gear at gunpoint. A hundred African stories on legally clueless. Stories from Africa.
1: My name is uh, Oliver Twees. I'm a luxury wedding photographer based in Nairobi, Kenya. I first fell in love with photography in 2014 when I was in college. I was in JKUAT. I went to do something different from what I'm doing. I went to do agribusiness management and enterprise development. But then when I was in my second year, I met a couple of guys who were photographers. They were part of a community, a Christian community. And just like that, I got interested in what they were doing. So I approached them and uh, that's how it just started. It kicked off like that. Okay, the first time I handled a camera was in Gatamayo in, in Limuru. went for a hike and so a friend of mine came with a camera. It is still the same community that I was part of. So a friend of mine came with a camera. I knew nothing about the camera, but then he, he was very kind to me and you know He showed me a couple of things and then gave me the camera. So the entire weekend I was the one who was handling the camera most pictures were out of focus you know but i was very very excited that i got a chance to to handle a camera for a whole weekend but then the first photo shoot i ever did i was raising money to do some projects in, in college and then i i got a camera and i did a, a fashion shoot inside the college I, I was so excited about it you know a you know as a photographer before you go for a shoot you check a couple of things on Pinterest to get some ideas yeah so I did this shoot I wasn't paid you know the client didn't like the images but then I was so excited that I stepped out of my comfort zone you know and went for it and did the shoot There's a time I visited uh, Zanzibar mm-hmm. with a couple of friends and I think that was the my biggest that was my biggest highlight. Of this journey, because when I I came back to Kenya, I had so many pictures from Zanzibar, and they were really beautiful. And I remember uh, there was a there was a competition at Key 100, and I submitted these pictures, and and, and and I got the chance to work with Sandiwe. So when I left Zanzibar, I was I was just like, you know what, this is what I am going to do. But then there was classwork, and you know I had to attend classes, do the assignments. Yeah, I made sure I finished uni. But I equally did photography when I was in uni. It was like a side hustle thing. I used to do small gigs. So instead of calling your parents for poke, at least when you do a gig, you have some little tunes to you know, take you through. When I started out as a photographer, my parents weren't in for that idea. But something funny, uh, my maternal side, most guys are artists. You know my my grandfather was a musician he used to sing he used to write my uncles have done music their phd they're they they lecturers in music and so i really didn't couldn't understand how my immediate parents wouldn't uh, allow me to do this but progressively after a period of time i have after i've been up in a position to prove to them that you know what i can earn a living i can pay rent and i can do my own stuff with this thing they have uh agreed to it they plugged in finally so after I graduated, I still wasn't sure if I wanted to do photography or not, and so this 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 company that came to school they wanted interns from my department, and uh, yeah, I went for the aptitude test, did the aptitude test passed it went for the interview and i passed the interview and then we went for induction so during induction you know you're given uh you know the rules and regulations of the company and how much you guys are going to be paid so after the training one evening these guys tell us you know what you guys will report it was a friday so you'll report on monday and uh, we'll be paying you guys ten thousand shillings per month that hit me so hard because when i was in uni before i graduated i used to earn uh, some little money five thousand in a weekend so this is someone Telling me they're going to give me ten thousand shillings for a month, and this is this is money I can earn in two days. This is a job related to the course that I did in college. What they were offering, I could make that in a weekend, you know, from photography. And mark you, I didn't I didn't go to any school of photography. I went to school of YouTube, <laughs> like many of us. So it's like you know what, if you put in more effort and learn more, you will earn more. From that time, I decided, you know what, this is what I'm going to do for a living. This is going to be my career. And since then, I have never applied for any agribusiness job up to now. You know, I see a couple of my friends, you know, writing CVs. I don't even know if I know how to write a CV, (laughs) you know, but I can present myself with a portfolio. After I finished school, I didn't have my own camera. So I used to hire cameras from my friends. But then there's an auntie of mine who I really, really appreciate and I'm so grateful she came through for me. She was in Japan doing her master's. And so I used to mention a couple of times when we were chatting on WhatsApp that, you know what, I am really interested in this thing. And so when she was coming back, she just got me a camera. That was my first camera, you know, and that's the biggest blessing that ever happened to me. I I went to the airport, so excited, you know, met her. And she had the camera in her bag, in her carry-on bag. So she just handed it to me. And you know what? I was super excited. I then started shooting. With my new camera, most of the gigs that I used to do were baby showers. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I've gone to many baby showers than you are there. I shot so many baby showers in Nairobi, so many. So every weekend I used to have a baby shower. And that way I was learning how to, you know, deal with people how to shoot under pressure because at times you see when you're doing a photo shoot uh, for someone there's that there's that space and you know time when you're shooting an event things are instant so it's click click you miss you miss a click you miss a shot so with this same camera that my aunt got me uh, in as much as i was shooting baby showers and you know these little events I also got myself into competitions and and there's a year i won i won three competitions i won in three competitions there was karura there was a competition at karura forest there was a global competition that i was uh, first on the first the up and uh there was an award i got this is previous there's an award i got in uni photographer of the year so in uni we used to have awards for specific clubs and you know during my time i won photographer of the year so i had mentioned earlier that i used to shoot Baby showers and birthdays. So there's this DJ who I met, and she really liked my work, and told me, asked me if I could uh, be, you know, her photographer. And I plugged in, you know, so excited. And so we used to shoot every weekend. I used to go to be in a club. I used to, I used to club from Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But then it's for work. I used to, I used to be taking pictures. So there's this time we went to a club in Mombasa the same building that is hosting Excess Millionaires. We, we used to leave the club at around three, or four in the morning. So we left the club and both of us used to stay around Kasarani. So she used to drop me at the roundabout and then I, I would get a bike to my, my place. So on this day, we left the club at four. She dropped me at Shreisambu. uh She used to drive a mark. And so you see, at night when, when, when you're dropped with a certain vehicle, people, people will, you know, raise eyebrows, you know, if, if, if there are tags around. They'll definitely follow you. This DJ drops me at, at at the roundabout and it was around around five. And if you live around Resemble on Sunday mornings, there's a church around there and people usually go to church very early. So there's usually a crowd around at around that roundabout. And so on this day I was just like, I can walk. My house is just there. I could see it. I'm not going to use a bike. And so I started walking to my to my house. And then there are three guys who were on a bike was a guy who was riding in 2 billion percent. So they came and they passed me. And then they, they, they alighted and they pretended they were drunk. You know, they wanted to mess up my mind. So I was just like, you know what, this is a, this is a su- Sunday morning. These are drunkards from the club, you know, trying to find their way home. couldn't be they weren't drunk. That was I think that was their, their tactic to make me not, you know, them. Da- mm. So I walked kidogo and then the next thing I realized, that this guy pulled a gun on my face. <laughs> I nearly peed on myself. You know, I, we've always, you know, when you see a cop with a gun, it's different. When a gun is pulled on your face, it's totally different. So immediately I knew what they wanted. I just gave them the bag and you know it ran towards the opposite side. So the bag had my camera, a lens, and my laptop because as a club I used to edit and post immediately. They took off with the bike, with my bag. In my mind, I was just like, you know what, Oliver, you can grab a matatu and follow these guys. So I stopped on matatu, got into the matri. Uh, I told the the, the the conductor, you know what, I've been, I have been mugged with a couple of guys. Could you kindly be in a position to help me follow them? And these guys just laughed at me. So the matatu was going to thicker. So I draw, I, the, I lighted that with the rye. So at this point, it has, Completely hit me that I have lost my my gear. I've literally lost my office. I have no money with me, and so I have to get another bike to bring me back to Kasarani. So I went to the to the stage. Got a couple of Butabora guys who were there. Talked to one of them, and I was shaking. And he could clearly he he, he could clearly tell that something had happened. So I told him I have been mugged. Take me back home. I'll. Get some money from my house, then pay you. So this guy agreed. And so we left Githurai. But then he didn't use the the right side of the road. He used the wrong side. So when you were coming to Kasarani, riding to Kasarani, I saw a light coming. A bike was coming. At this point, I didn't know who these guys were. So when we got closer to these guys, when we met, I saw my bag on one of the backs of these guys. I was like, no, my bag can't, my, my gear can't just go like that. So I told the Bodaboda the Boda guys. These are the guys who have um, mugged me. If you can follow them, please, let's do so. Also, if you know cops around Gidurai, call the cops to come. They, they will really help us, you know, get these things. So these guys went to a certain club in Gidurai. We followed them. Of course, we had to keep some distance. They alighted, got into the club. We also alighted. So we were just standing out there waiting for them to get out. So when they got out, I met them first of face and uh, I knew they were going to shoot me. They are going to kill me. It just hit my head that, you know what, Oliver? this was a wrong decision this is the day you're going to die and surprisingly these guys didn't even notice that they had mugged me a few minutes ago they went on the bike again and you know took the road to muihoko so we had no chance but to follow them so at some point i asked this botaboto guy who was carrying me by any chance can you just tell this, mention this to your people around here, you know, the border border guys around here, and see if they can help l- help us? And you know what this border guy told me? That most of the guys at this stage are thugs. They can turn these against us. Mm-hmm. So let's just follow them. We will call a cop when you know where these guys are going. So we, this guys rode for almost 15 minutes. Deep inside Gizurai, they alighted. They, they took a detour somewhere to where some houses are. But then for us, we didn't stop there. We passed them. We gave them a distance of around around a kilometer. I think they, it's their house. They went into the house, dropped the bag, and then came back out, went to the club again. You know, they've already made a kill. Yeah? They've already made a kill. So it's time to go and, and, and enjoy themselves. So they went back to the club. So at this point, the cop who we were trying to call finally caught his phone so this about a guy mentioned that there's a young man who has been mugged in githurai we have managed to follow these guys we are at some a certain place in in wehoko and the cop said okay cool so these guys came back to githurai so we equally mentioned to the cop that these guys have done what they've gone back to the club so the cop came to the club when the cop arrived he came in a private vehicle when the cop arrived i was there he called me and told me asked me where are these guys now, let me show you what we do to people who own guns. And this cop cocked his gun. <laughs> and I, I got so scared because I was just about to see someone being killed. So the two guys had entered the club. The guy who was on a bike was still outside the club. So when this guy, the guy, the one who had a bike outside the club had the gun being cocked, you know, he took off immediately. You know, there were a couple of guys uh, around around there. So the cop could not make, couldn't make a, a good shot. This guy took off so we are here with a cop but the culprits are not there so the cop asked me a couple of questions do you know where these guys went to it's like yeah i know where they stopped we can go and try and see if we can get the camera at the bag, because when we left that place coming back to the club they didn't have the bag. And so we rode on, on 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 a bike with a cop to my where these guys you know left the bag and then we got there it was around around six now the cop tried to Figure out where young men stay. And so, is a carpenter. I find it funny that carpenters sleep in workshops. There a carpenter who was living in his workshop. And so, cop asked him, Vijana So he said, Room number one. So, the cop went to room number one. The door wasn't even closed they opened the door and, you know put on the lights and the first thing you saw was the park. so he asked him, come is this your bag yes there were two other guys who were sleeping on the bed these guys were drunk they didn't even know who someone got into the house you know and put the lights on so immediately the cop went hard on them started beating them up you know you guys have to produce a gun you have a gun where is the gun and then after a couple of minutes of interrogating these guys the cop realized that he knew them and so he asked them are you are you the brothers to so and so and they said, yes. So this person X who mugged me was a brother to these two boys. And he was a wanted thug in Githurai. And they had wound him. Told him that this is the last time you should be found you know, committing a crime. The next time we find you, we'll kill you. And so this cop just got angry. And then told these boys, I need you to call your father right now. Because the previous conversation they had with the dad was like, was that the son, to stop doing what? Among guys, people. So the, these boys called their father, their father came. Their father was also drunk. And the cop told him, you know what? The next time we we'll meet your your child, your son will shoot him. Because what he's doing is wrong and he owns a gun. So previously the dad had refused and had refused that the, the son doesn't own a gun. But now here there is full evidence. That he has a gun, and so we went to the police station, wrote a statement, and uh, the cops gave me my my gear. That is how surprising. that's up to day, up to today, you know, you don't understand how we managed to say to 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 follow someone who had who had a gun and we didn't have a gun, and we managed to get our, our stuff back. It was a miracle. So after that incident, I was very skeptical about shooting at night. And I remember that day, there was a concert. I went to my house, freshened up and went for that concert. I didn't want to be alone. When I left that concert, it was at, at around 6.30, 7. I left that concert and someone with a motorbike just passed me and I started shaking. I started shaking. I was really traumatized. From that experience, I stopped shooting in clubs. At all, at all, at all. I'd been shooting for almost two years. That was the last thing I'd wanted to have done shooting in a club you know, getting back at home mm-hmm. at that time so i stopped shooting in clubs uh the, the guy who carried me there the, was the guy who brought me back to to and, and the one who was helping me trail these guys immediately he saw the cop you know he left up to today i tried calling his number and he's offline i have never gotten him on call so i asked these cops uh do you did you know this guy they said, "Yeah, we knew him. Here is uh, his number." So I've always tried to reach out. You know, I wanted to to return the hand. You know, but I don't know. I don't know where this guy went to. Yeah. So uh, when I stop shooting in clubs, uh, or rather events that uh, go up too late in the night, I I usually don't just feel like. It's 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 right for me, yeah, because of the insecurity. So from that, I I then I started shooting uh, weddings. So, but before, before as I was shooting in clubs, I used to shoot in weddings during the day. So I shoot a wedding on Saturday during the day, and then at night, I go to the club. But then after these incidents, I just decided, you know what, I can still stick to wedding photography and still earn something out of it. As I had mentioned earlier, I really like telling love stories. And so uh, in my head, I was like, you know what, if you shoot Shoot couples in town. How would it look like? It would be really nice. Yeah, people in Nigeria do that. We haven't just realized we can do that in in Nairobi. So I decided to get models and start shooting in town. Now this is where I, now I have I get to have confrontations with cops. <laughs> yeah, in this my small career, I have been caught by cops. I think five to six times while I was shooting. So apparently uh in, in for you to shoot in in town you need to have a have a license but then i remember there's a time you know photographers really pushed and um we were allowed to shoot for free in town you feel like you want to shoot in town you grab a gear and your models and you know go and shoot yeah so this time i was shooting a friend of mine in town who is a model all of a sudden someone just comes to me someone in civilian clothes three young men they are like I could tell these guys are really my age mates. So they approach me and they tell me, stop shooting. Who are you? I am so-and-so. I'm a photographer. Why are you shooting in town? Do you know it's illegal shooting in town? Uh, we suspect that you're a terrorist. Bring your camera. Let's go to Central Police Station. I'm just like, but I thought, I, I thought we were allowed, creatives were allowed to shoot for free in town. You know, I'm part of the Photographers Association of Kenya. There's a body that is recognized by the government. I have an ID, my ori- my Kenyan identification card. And at what point do you just decide to come and start telling me that I'm a terrorist? So I've had such instances in town more than four times. People just come to you and there isn't one really surprised me. Someone just jumped on me, you know, and, and usually... When such things happen, when you push me to a box where, you know, I can't defend myself, I usually become so noisy and, you know, let's rough each other. Let's let's rough each other. And so the recent one, a cop jumped on me and they didn't even mention who they were. And I was just like, this guy, this guy is a thug. So I pushed this cop. I didn't know it was a cop. But then how he handled me, I knew it was a thug. So I pushed him. You we know, nearly got physical with each other. Then you was just like, you know, I'm a cop. He got his uh, radical uh, out of his pocket. I'm a cop. You're shooting it in town. It's illegal. Let's go to Central. So I do not want this thing to, you know, escalate. So he went to Central. When you go to Central, there was another cop at Central. So the other cop asked me, what were you doing? I told him I was shooting. Here is the model I was shooting. So, this other cop just told me, You know what? Don't take pictures of the building, you go back and shoot. But then, this other guy, he was like reporting me to the cop. When he got there, he said, He mentioned to the cop, So, it's like, Who are you, first of all? Are you a cop? And if you're not a cop, why did you get this, okie and why are you harassing creatives in town? That is, that is, that's very, very wrong. And it hasn't happened to me alone. A couple of my friends who are photographers have equally been harassed in Tower. What keeps me going, I think, is uh, the fact that I do what I love. You know, there's, there's a fire in me that just tells me, Oliver, this is what you love and there are no two ways about it stop doing photography what else would you do with with so much love and so in as much as I I I get harassed by cops, I two months ago I lost my laptop I was shooting in Karen at some hotel I won't mention the hotel and it was just me uh, uh, the models and, and the management at that time the president had issued that decree of you know guys not Going to restaurants, and so when I was shooting, I left my stuff on the on on, on, on the table that we were sitting. It's a gazebo. In a span of um, five minutes, five to ten minutes, while shooting, I came back. I wanted to get something from my bag. When I came back. My laptop was missing and it's only us four of us me the photographer two other models and a designer and people who work in that compound yeah. i requested to to see to see the cctv footage because the the place has a perimeter wall there's no way someone would have jumped it and it has an electric fence up there on the perimeter wall and there is a guard that they get and it's a restaurant and it's literally it's not functioning they are very few people in the compound anyway long story short uh the cctv footage didn't show anything most likely the one the person who stole my camera knew that the cctv footage wasn't showing that certain place and so he used that route when he picked my laptop so in as much as uh, you know i get to face all these things i get harassed by cops i i lose gear and you know photography gear is very expensive what keeps me going is the love for the craft It's therapeutic, you know, when I take pictures, I feel nice. And so I don't think there's something else I can do apart from this.
0: Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. What an experience from getting robbed at gunpoint. That is so scary. You know how there's a fight or flight? I remember thinking while recording that, like, (laughs) my flight would be to the opposite direction. There's no way I'm chasing after, after thugs. But, you know, it also reminded me of... uh, time when father and I were robbed and at gunpoint and held in his warehouse for like over an hour by these thugs and that must have been when it was before we got married so probably 2016 in fact it was 2016 december we were not married so i was living with my sisters and since it was december with one of my sisters she was traveling for december and i was basically home alone i used to sleep with all the lights on and then downstairs i'd leave the tv on I don't know, in my head, I rationalized it and was like, if thugs come, they will think there are people downstairs watching, (laughs) watching TV. And I just couldn't sleep with the lights off for like the longest time after that experience. It was so traumatizing for both of us. I would not wish it on anyone. Like, I can much easier to speak about it. Fall, I think it's a Kim until probably last year, to be quite frank. To just have open discussions about everything. It is not... If you have experienced robbery at gunpoint and you want to share your story, like, I'd love to hear from you. Especially if you have gotten to the point that you can speak about it. Because it is traumatic. Eee! It's crazy. But... I have in the show notes put a link to Oliver's website and his social media platforms if you want to check out his photography. I think you should. And speaking of telling you to share your stories, (laughs) you can, in the show notes, click the link to our storytelling form. Just fill it out and I'll get back to you. Alternatively, you could also send a one-minute story demo telling me about the story that you want to share. And you can send that to our Legally Clueless hotline that two five four. 768-628-790. So wherever you are in the world, feel free to send to those story demos via WhatsApp. This podcast also plays on Trace Radio in Kenya. So head over to traceradio.co.ke and you can stream the radio station there. You can also see a list of the frequencies and Legally Clueless is on Trace every Monday and Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. And Friday at 12 noon as well. i have no idea why oh my god wait aside from not knowing why i'm singing can i just share the nonsense that is happening in my hood so remember how i was so excited that all the kids in my apartment block had moved out meaning less noise when i'm recording so the two houses that had kids and they moved remained vacant for like months i wasn't complaining (laughs) I was like perfect silence this is amazing in fact at that point I'm pretty sure I was the youngest person in our block because the other two households are like elderly couples anyway <sighs> two new families moved in man <laughs> one of them has three toddlers not one not two but three today they were screaming For no reason. Like not even screaming coherent things. Not even screaming because they are in pain. Not even screaming because it was a game or Like just screaming for no reason. Ugh. Oh my goodness. So yeah. That house has three toddlers. The ones opposite us have teenagers. So I'm guessing it should be okay for now. They though are still figuring out their water pump. So ugh. (laughs) listen guys i'm looking for a standalone home in nairobi with a garden please help (laughs) or else this podcast will keep having (laughs) random guest appearances in the background aka my neighbor's three toddlers who just scream for no reason like is that a normal thing with kids